Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to episode 101. That's right, 101. And I was trying to mimic the zip expur and cut out all my vowels in my first talking there. Because 101 is a product from Zip, and they made the Explore, which is missing a bunch of vowels like Wahoo. Wait, didn't they, isn't the 101 now a gravel rim? Yeah, the 101 Explorer. The because they couldn't call it the the 2.7 Moto, because we already trademarked that. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Hold on, I'm just going to get this out of the way. Andrea's going full chocolate goblin over here. I needed some emotional support chocolate. Yeah, I'm just going to keep this over here. Okay, I'm done with the crinkling. For now. For now. Oh, yeah, I guess we should start talking. Uh, Pull up patrons. Kenny's not here. He's on other adventures. And if you get that joke from another podcast that you listen to, good for you. So starting at $10 a month, we have Zach, Tom, Todd, Ty, Tennessee Zach, SCG Shuko, Sam, Ryan, Rusty Shammy. Parker, Noah, Nick, my pal Dow, MTB Shenanigans, Leland, King Donko of Punch Castania. Just Punchstania. Punchstania. Uh, Kenny sucks. He's not here. That's not fair. We shouldn't do that to him. Kenny sucks. Uh, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jar Dix, Ken. I miss Ken. Uh, oh, his birthday just happened. Happy birthday, Ken. Uh, uh, oh, this is why everything looks fucked up on this page. Jeff, JC, Jar Dix, Jake, Huge, Janus. Hugh Janus Industries. Honestly, I don't know what to change my name to this week, and I think I missed the recent recording for the name updates. Clayton. Half-Face <laughs> Kenneth. Green Giant. Gordon. G-Man. Frank. F That Guy. Mark. Ezra. Trilla. G. Evan. Captain Fickle. Cam Irish One. Billy Singlespeed. Bill. Bo. Baggins. Alec. AJ. Aaron. Esker Cycles. That's 1169, remember? No, I don't, because Clayton's name made all the other fucking dollar amounts go off the page, you fucking cocksucker. Uh, lead Out Sports. And then we, oh, Australia's Lead Out Sports, Josh Mignantes, and Dean at some levels that are some kangaroo dollars that I can't remember. We literally, Clayton's name is so long on the screen that there's like a side-to-side scroll bar. So I'd have to scroll to the bottom of the page to get to that to see. So fuck you, Clayton. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm assuming we move into $20 a month with Scott Poop Wrench. Joe, Brady, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions. We got Harley at 30, Troy at 31, Brad at 3169 or something. I can't remember. And then Six Pack Outdoors at 50. So fuck you, Clayton. Extra. <laughs> you get extra fucks. Uh, I think Clayton had a question tonight, so let's just delete that one. Because <laughs> he's a cock. Um, did I call him a cocksucker yet? Have you met Clayton in person? I don't. I think so. I feel. Like, we shouldn't call someone we only know through the internet a cocksucker. But he's ridden with a bunch of people that I rode with at different times, so I can call him a cocksucker. All right. We're going to do listener questions first, or are you just going to eat chocolate? No, let's talk about what we did this week. What'd you do this week? Well, last week when we recorded, I forgot, again, the ride that I did the week before. Uh, Rode with Michael Franco, nice guy, and Vapor Trail and Salida Enduro race director. And we did Foose's Creek, which is one of the popular descents. It's a part of the Colorado Trail, one of the popular descents off of the Monarch Crest route. However, with Monarch Crest still being under snow... The crest is not open. (laughs) People are going up there and fucking off. The problem is, so many... There are tons of hikers, so through hiking season has started. And a lot of hikers, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of hikers... And a lot of cyclists don't understand that the tundra around a snowbank is very, very fragile. And when you walk on it, and when everyone in a day that passes through that area goes around the snowbank instead of over the snowbank, they crunch all the little tundra juices and tundra dirt, and they fuck stuff up. It is essentially, what is it called in Moab? Oh, uh, cryptobiotic soil. It's the light version of that. It's like cryptobiotic SL. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's it's a it's just a fragile it's a fragile ecosystem and you know, we're really lucky that we have nice trails like Monarch Crest that take us to these places. And if you want to keep taking care of those things, then you have to treat them right. And that might mean that you don't get to do your 4th of July ride up on Monarch Crest. So just calm down. 
you need recommendations for other high country rides when you come to Salida? Call Absolute Bikes. <laughs> um, look at the Absolute Bikes website. If you're, look, if you're a listener, you can you can message me. I'll I'll give you some advice. There's um, the the Mount Antero Little Brown Sloop is rideable right now. Um, and that's a good high country ride. It's a lot harder than shuttling Monarch Crest, but no, no, it's easier. There's a cafe up top. It's super simple. <laughs> you can do it in t-shirt and flip flops. I mean, there might be like an old couple with a little dog on a side by side that will give you a sandwich. Oh my god, I wanted a side by side dog couple so bad on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> whatever day that would. I guess it was it was Tuesday. Yeah, but I wanted that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you just a side note, if you this is a very broad generalization. Could it be a side-by-side note? Yeah, it is, actually. It's exactly that. If you go on four-wheel drive roads on the weekend and you have bad experiences with people in vehicles, often side-by-sides, because there's a lot of them, they make the backcountry very accessible for a lot of people, that's not really uncommon. That happens. If you go during the week, though... I think you've run into a few less, there are fewer people that are trying to weekend as hard as possible. Well, there's just fewer people, period. Yeah, yeah. And there's and the people that are out there tend to kind of be like the retired couple pulling their side by side along with the RV and they're out there just, just kind of killing time and enjoying the scenery. A lot of times they have a little dog with them. It's always cute. It's always cute. Sometimes it's wearing doggles. A lot of times it's wearing doggles. Um, and you know, they'll like offer you a sandwich or some water or something. And they're like, wow, you rode your bike all the way here. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's my advice. If you have a, uh, a four by four or Jeep road, heavy route to do, try to do it during the week instead of on the weekend. Where were we? Oh yeah. The Tundra. <laughs> no, no, we already. Yo dog. I heard you like tangents. So I put a tangent in your tangent so you can tangent him while you're tangenting. Um, I think I was just lecturing people about how not to fuck up the uh, fuck up the tundra. So be no nice one to that it. listens to our podcast breaks any trail rules ever. So we're Look, preaching to the choir. Kenny carries a fucking Bluetooth speaker. That's like the biggest not written trail rule in the world is fuck Bluetooth speakers. I've told him that before too. He just kind of giggles. Anyway, moving on. I'm gonna start carrying a pistol for Bluetooth speakers. <laughs> we don't need to threaten like a paintball gun. Maybe. I'm just going to ask if I can borrow it to check it out, and then I'm going to throw it up and shoot it like a sporting clay. <laughs> That's a great idea. I like that idea. Then you have to clean up all that stuff off the ground. Not my speaker. Not my problem. <laughs> hey, man, don't leave your speaker out here. <laughs> right off. And remember, you have the pistol, so. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, Road, uh, <laughs> Road Foose's Creek with Michael Franco. <laughs> because Monarch Crest is very snowy, there are very few people using it. So no one's really using the Foose's Creek Trail other than some hikers. Uh, saw a few mountain bike tracks, but... What Andrew is trying to get to is you can ride it as an out and back right now because you can climb it without the fear of some shuttle bro, full biscuits, homie coming at you at mock chicken. Exactly. On his bin chicken. <laughs> bin chicken <laughs> oh my god that'd be a great sticker mock chicken on a bin chicken god, you know i'd never put up an instagram post for last week last week's episode and i the reason is because i was going to use a like a cutout photo of uh, the bird and ibis and just call it a bin chicken and i i just felt like the algorithm wouldn't let many people see that photo, so I never got to, around to doing it because it was a lower priority. I'll put it up anyway, though. You're going to talk about what else you've done? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to also, before you interrupted me, I was going to say that... The you interrupted yourself like 19 <laughs> times. Don't drag my ass into this. The uh, No, you said what she's trying to say is and blah, blah, blah. But uh, what I was going to say was that the Foose's Creek Descent is actually a really nice climb. It's It rolls a little bit every now and then, so you can kind of catch your breath. It's not incredibly steep. It's pretty smooth. It Near the top, about four miles up or so, it does get really rocky, and there's, there's some very intermittent hike-a-bike. It's not like you just get to a point you have to push your bike forever. Uh, I have not seen they rerouted the top of that trail late last summer or early fall, uh, so that the new trail could sit under snow and get saturated and settled and everything. 
I haven't seen that yet. So I don't know what that... So it was, if you did ride all the way up Foose's Creek, there was a very horrible hike-a-bike. <laughs> like really bad hike-a-bike at the top. Relatively short, but um, incredibly heinous. Just like ankle-deep gravel and sand and yeah. So... And anyone coming down that on a bike has very little control. So they rerouted that because it was basically every time it would there was some runoff, it was just shooting a bunch of sand and rock down the trail into the basin of that that creek drainage. So that's rerouted. I haven't seen it yet, though. So in the last week, you and I went for the same ride. We did Foose's Creek. And you rode a new bike, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Don't steal my thunder. I'm not. You rode your new bike. And I rode the Mayhem. Mayhem's still doing great. I did have to decreak it. It was starting to make a little noise, but... There was no little to that noise. <laughs> uh, you know, this happened last summer. Basically, if I do a ride or two where I get the lower main pivot wet, it'll start to make noise. And I just have to take Got it... Got that wet-ass pivot. <laughs> yeah, I just have to take it apart and... It doesn't really look dirty or anything in there, but it just that's just what fixes it, is taking the main pivot off and just cleaning it out and reassembling it so yeah i mean their instructions say to put that together drier than hell which just yeah i did it i put it together dry i went in dry i've never found anything that goes in dry to be quiet it's always noisy when you go in dry <laughs> it'll protest <laughs> isn't a good time for anyone yeah, I've been to the archery range a couple of times in the last week. So do, I went with you. Yeah, we went one time, and then today I went by myself. I hit that buffalo at like a million yards. I know, Matt, who, Matt has a very budget-oriented bow, which is wonderful for I have use. like the specialized chisel of bows. Yeah, It's yeah. very nice for its price. Yeah, like it came with the sight. It came with all of the parts except like arrows, I think. Came with tubeless ready wheels. Came with tubeless ready tires. The valves were in the box. You know, are the tires great? No. Uh, Did I have to get my own arrows, a.k.a. pedals? Yeah, I had to buy my own pedals, but I can just go shoot it. And then occasionally I just break the fuck out of one of my pedals. I mean arrows, (laughs) because I'm really good at that somehow. Yeah, so his sight is not even adjustable with with a more expensive sights, a lot of times you can get a little tape that you can dial the sight up and down so that you can shoot at longer distances. And to explain it differently, with a with a bow, because it shoots so different at different distances, I have three fixed pins for 20, 30, and 40 yards. And what Andrew is referring to is for a more fancy bow, you then have a little lever you flip like a quick release cam and you spin it and you lock it in place and you let's say you want to shoot at 60 you spin it to 60 on the dial and you lock it in place and now one of your previous pins that shot at 20 30 40 will shoot at 60 and i don't have that fancy ass shit yeah so we were 54 yards away from this buffalo target and matt just like lets one fly and kills the buffalo look i don't want this when I ride my bicycle, people are like, how do you jump? I'm like, you just fucking jump, right? You, when there's a jump, you just jump it. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. And I looked at it, and I was like, well, if 40 hits there, and from 20 to 30 is only this far, but 30 to 40 is further, 54 is probably about here. And I just, <clears throat> and uh, the buffalo would have had a bad time. Yeah. But it was just a big foam target, so yeah, it didn't have a bad time. One of your arrows had a bad time later, though. Yeah. Yeah, it got stuck in that whatever it was, that antelope or gazelle or whatever the fuck it was. It was a pronghorn. You just know it's a bad time. We've all heard that noise of a carbon fiber frame breaking. Like, you watch a DH recap, and you hear that crack. And that's a giant tube the size of your forearm and et cetera, et cetera. all All these targets have metal frames that they're attached to and i get everything dialed in and i don't shoot a lot and when you go to 3d archery there's 19 targets and i generally try to shoot one arrow at each target unless it's a problematic target for me and there's a couple of targets out there that just aren't worth wasting arrows on to in my opinion for some reason i just can't wrap my head around these shots and because i just go out there to spend time with andrea i don't really care on fixing it just to be blunt about it 
But on this anti-gazelle, <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, yeah, it's good. Whack. And I let go and it hits the target and it makes that awful carbon breaking noise. And I just knew. You just know you've broken an arrow when that happens. And uh, I broke the shit out of my arrow. Yeah, it just hit the metal frame inside the target, which is odd, but happens. And it got brokered and fucked. Yep. So yeah, we went to the archery range with Matt. I uh, went by myself today and worked on, as much as I love the 3D archery range because it's interesting and every shot's different. That was on Saturday morning. Okay. I don't know days. I do. But today, I made myself work on long shots. I worked on 50 and 60 yard shots because doing very long archery shots, you can kind of fake your way through 20 and 30 yard shots. Once you get... That's me. Once you get... You know, kind of at 40, but really like the 50, 60, even up to 70 yard shots, you got to be on it. Like you got to be steady. You can't twitch. You can't breathe. You can't fart. Yeah. Like you, you have to be really good. Like you can't be stiff because then you're going to torque your bow a little bit when you release, you know, your release has to be smooth. Like you have to move your index finger to release the, uh, you know, the string, like you have to move that very, very gently because if you move it too quickly and the arrow twitches a tiny bit when you release it, you know, at 60 yards, that's going to be six to eight inches off of, your t- off of where you're aiming. So, you know, shooting the long distances is really, really, I feel like really good practice because once you go back down to more hunting, Matt's laughing at me. Once you go back to the hunting distances, you know, 40 yards and under, everything seems really easy. You said distances like you had new teeth. (laughs) Anyway, I don't have enough chocolate in my mouth is the problem. But other than that, as usual, I have been working. I painted a fence with linseed oil. I did a lot of weeding. Lots and lots of weeding. A whole lot of weeding. You know, my, my job security is as long as there is this weed called bind weed, like bind, like a binder full of weeds, uh, bind weed, as long as that exists on this earth, I have job security as someone as, as someone that you can pay to come over and weed your garden because that is some awful, awful shit. But I think that's it. Matt, have I done anything else interesting? Definitely not. We had steak the other night on July 4th. That was good. Yeah, so I'm going to run through this chronologically. We're recording on a Thursday, which is odd, but Kenny was out yesterday or this week, and he has other adventures. And on we recorded Wednesday. Nothing happened on Thursday. On Friday, my new bike delivered. I think I talked about the fact that I ordered an Epic Evo in the show. You did. So it came in. It arrived. It is the most base model Epic Evo you've ever seen and it doesn't even have a name it's not a comp not it's just an epic evo it's like when you go and buy the worst work truck ever it's not even the work truck edition it's just the f-150 the white one yeah it's it's the one that just gets the old white paint even anyways where i'm going is no radio no radio no nothing no beep boops no remote lockouts it's an epic evo it doesn't have a remote lockout yet I got that in. I immediately stripped it. I rebuilt it with all the good parts from my bike, like I said I was going to. So, SID 35 Ultimate XX1 axis. Power meter. I used the post from the bike because the current Wolf Tooth post I have doesn't fit. I need to get a different one and a different diameter. And I'm, I'm still on the fence about what I'm going to get. I'm, I'm going to figure that out in the next couple of weeks. Is that the bigger seat post frame? 34? No, okay. it's a 30.9, and my wolf tooth dropper is a 31.6. So unless I want to put it in the lathe, I'm not getting it in there, <laughs> and I don't have a lathe. Just You just need a bigger hammer. Fuck you. So what I did is got it all built up, used my Envy wheels. I'm riding the world's worst rear tire, the Aspen 2.4. You can fight me about it. Meet me in a parking lot at Walmart. I'll drink a couple of White Claws, and we can throw down, because that tire sucks. It's fine. It's just not what I need. It's not a loose over hard tire. It is not. It is a loose over nothing. It is a nothing over hard tire. It's a loam tire. If you had hero dirt, it would be okay. Not good, just okay. Well, when I tell you about my ride I did on Tuesday, you'll understand why it's not okay. So 
Got that all built up on Friday. Fully rideable. God for like shined upon me and my brake line was long enough. So that's all dialed in. Everything's fine. Saturday morning got up. We went to the dump and threw away a bunch of stuff that we need to get rid of that had been piled up on the trailer. World's best utility trailer. Went to the archery range with Andrea. Made some hero shots. Broke some arrows. You know, normal shit for me. Sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> That's me at the archery range. And yeah, then, like he, he just nails a fifty-four yard shot with no, with a a cheap sight on his bow, and then forty yards uphill, laying down elk. That thing, I may as well throw a rock at it and go back to the truck. I can't hit it to save my life. Anyways, then Saturday afternoon, coworker Bridget and her significant other partner, Man Squeeze Beckett, rolled into town. Met them, took the Epic Evo on its inaugural ride, which was pretty fun. Uh, came home, messed with their bikes, had a nice dinner, ate some salad with some chicken and whatnot. Um, I forgot what it was like to be a 23-year-old bike racer, so then I made Beckett a bunch more food <laughs> because that's what happens when you're young. We had greens from the garden. That was yeah, nice. Yeah, Andrea made some of the stuff for the dinner, which was cool. And then... That was on Saturday. On Sunday, I went and helped a buddy with his truck. Ended up, I, I went, I, I helped uh, Beckett and Bridget with their bikes some more on Saturday morning. I actually loaned out my wolf tooth dropper because Beckett's KS Post had done KS Post things and just spontaneously broken. So, loaned out my dropper, got him all set up, got them off so he could go race Firecracker 50. Um, after going to a Grateful Dead concert on Sunday. Uh, so that's what they went to do. I went and helped a buddy work on his truck, cleaned up some stuff at his storage unit, had some pizza, watched some Women's World Cup racing, stayed over with Troy uh, Sunday morning, got up, did some more stuff around with him, went to Sierra Trading Post, which is the world's worst place to go <laughs> as an adult. It's TJ Maxx for outdoors. And I walked in there, and I walk around, and I start loading shit up, and Troy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is my money. I'll buy what I want. I'm an adult. <laughs> they sell rooftop tents. They have Thule rooftop tents. I don't I don't even know what to do with myself. How much thinking. are they? $1,000. That's like half off, isn't it? Yeah, but the, the Thule ones are overpriced, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't want a rooftop tent anyway. No. You gotta climb your drunk ass up there. <laughs> Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, went to see our trading post. I'm going to have to have some kind of urine collection device inside the tent because I'm not going to climb out of that shit in the middle of the night. Or just hang off the side of the truck. You just need a funnel with a long piece of hose. That's a great idea. I'm going to invent that. I don't think you invented it. I think you go and get a funnel and jam a piece of eight foot long hose on it. Well, yeah, I mean, anyone can do that, but I can make a nice one. And then you drill two holes in it and you put a little bit of elastic shock cord on there so you can put it on and <laughs> pee into it hands-free. I just invented it. You're welcome. Moving on. Uh, came home Sunday and uh, weirdly, I somewhere between Saturday and Sunday, I found a transmission group. So I put that on my bike on Sunday. On the transmission group. And then, no, on Monday, I guess I did that. Because I went there on Sunday. I came home on Monday. I installed the transmission group. Andrew and I went out and did a ride with that on my Epic Evo. We went up Fooses and back down. And I absolutely hated everything about my bike. I don't know how else to put it. There's, I only have one complaint about transmission. And that is, you need to understand that when you're moving from transmission or from standard modern mountain bike, non-wide, non-super boost, all that shit, you're probably gaining about six millimeters of Q factor. And it destroyed me. There's no other way to put it. Every part of my body hurt. We only did, what was it, like an hour up and a half hour back down? Yeah, something like that. It was like 2,000 feet of climbing, though. Yeah, it was, it was no chunk. It was solid. But it just hurt me. And I came home, and I put on my big boy pants, and I realized that I probably should have done this before I went out and rode my bike. And because I'm, I think I described myself as bougie previously, I have multiple pairs of the same shoes. So 
I adjusted the cleats on one of those to compensate for the difference in Q factor. And just remember that everything on the bottom of the shoe happens in reverse when you flip the shoe over and look at it. But I run my cleats set up to where my feet are all the way outboard on a normal Q factor crank. What that means is the inside of my my the outside of my foot isn't really on the pedal body very well because my cleats are slid all the way inboard, which puts my foot all the way outboard. I adjusted a pair of my cleats to compensate for the Q factor difference, which is three millimeters per side. And I got up on, I guess, Tuesday morning and I went out and rode the bike and night and day difference. I felt so much better. Did you adjust your seat height at all? Because wouldn't your feet No, because because I moved my feet back in. Yeah. So everything's right now. Got it. So when your feet were too far out, though, effectively it made your seat height... I mean, effective uh, hair. I don't. Too tall. I don't know that that change. If we got out our calculators and did the math on it, you know, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. I think over a seat height of seven ninety five, measured from the center to the wide part, then you add one seventy five. So that brings us up to eight nine seventy three millimeters on that change. Isn't a huge difference. It's probably not much different than wearing a thin chamois. Versus a thick chamois with an overshort like a Fox Ranger pant. Just got to plug the Ranger pants and wolf tooth every show. But it, I don't think it was the height. I think it was all the Q factor. It felt weird in my knee. And it, it had nothing to do with transmission. Nothing with transmission was wrong. It was just the Q factor wasn't comfortable. Um, but Tuesday morning, I got up. I made those adjustments. I made up three bottles. I got a bunch of snacks. I ate some breakfast. And I went out and set out to do something I'd never done before, which is ride from here to the top of Hayden Pass. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a pretty gnarly and heinous Jeep road. And I've just never made it to the top. I've never had that fortitude, I guess you would call it, to sort of just say, well, this is all I have to do today. I'm getting to the top. took me a good while to get to the top. Three hours and five minutes, uh, I think. And that had a shit ton of climbing. I wish I could remember the total amount, 4,500, 4,600, something like that. Passed a couple of really nice folks on side-by-sides, and that was it. I was really hoping to see someone at the top that was like, do you want a soda? Because I would have drank the shit out of a Mountain Dew right then. And I then did something pretty magical, which is I descended 3,000 feet in about 17 minutes on this Jeep road. It's a gnarly Jeep road. I drove up. Matt helped me drive up and down it in the Forerunner once, and I was scared a couple of times. I was too proud to say you drive this part, but I definitely didn't want to drive it, but I did it anyway. I mean, it was obvious that she didn't want to do it based on like the stink sweat and the like death grip on the steering wheel that she had going. I was probably breathing kind of hard. Yeah, it was a rough day. Andrea didn't like it. She also did not yet comprehend that the Forerunner can just drive over things. Well, it was the one part where there's a kind of a large rock. I mean, a drivable but large rock on the right side of the road. On the left side of the road is a tire width of smooth area with a drop-off. And so when you're driving with your car tilted towards the drop-off, you just look over and see like, oh, if my vehicle rolled over right now, we'd just die. That's the best part, though. you just die. You wouldn't even have to worry about it. You would just die. No, all the airbags would go off and we would suffer greatly before we died. Who cares? You would die somewhere pretty. But yeah, I ripped back down that, and that's when I decided a 160 rear rotor and an Aspen are not appropriate for the Epic Evo. I don't know Evo. why you put a 160 rotor Because on it was fine on the Spark. Never once on the Spark did I say I want more brake. And that's where I'm going right now with this is I've owned the Epic since Friday. It's now Thursday. I've already done nearly 10,000 feet of climbing and descending on it, and it is way, way more capable than I thought it was going to be. I thought the bike was going to be better, and I did not know how much better it was going to be. So, if I could change a couple of things about the bike, I want a lighter dropper post, I want a 180 rear rotor, I want a bigger rear tire, and ultimately, I would like to change the shock. I knew this going into the bike. There's not an Epic Evo that does what I want it to do. I'm fine with that. Sometimes when you know what you want, you got to spend a little money to get it. And I will be replacing that with a twist lock remote actuated Sid Lux Ultimate Shock. I know that they make the right size. I'm sure that we can get it all valved up properly. I just need 
I want the best of both worlds. I didn't weigh it since I swapped the drivetrain, but it was originally sub 25 pounds with the the stock dropper post, which is fairly heavy. It's 24.8 in size, extra large with a 2.6 front tire on it and pedals. I, I mean, what more could you really ask for? There's a lot of weight that could be cut out of that bike. S-Works frame drops half a pound. A set of bird wheels would drop half a pound. Could probably chop a good bit out of the seat post. I could chop some out of the tires if I want to go to stupid tires, but I don't. There's a lot of ways that bike could be lighter, but it rides really well. I just didn't realize how capable it was going to be. But like I was trying to say, I want the best of both worlds. It really is super comfortable and confident on the way down. And it does have a remote lockout. And when you lock that switch, the thing just parties on smooth terrain. And I want to put that switch on the handlebar. And I knew that I would have to do that. They don't sell one that way. Wait, you just said it has a remote lockout. No, sorry. It has a a shock lockout. But I just don't want to have to reach down. I want to be able to do it. Oh, that, you know, I'm going to go over this little doodad. And then smooth trail for 100 yards. I'm going to lock it out. And then I'm going to bump the unlock. I'm going to go over the next bump, lock it out again. I'm smart enough to do that. I want to do that. I'm going to get it set up that way in the future. I don't know when. I don't really care. Oh, that reminds me. I sold my Vertex. Andrea sold her Vertex to her boss. (laughs) My boss. (laughs) Lynn's going to laugh when he hears that. You sold your Vertex to one of the... One of my clients. One of your clients. (laughs) One of my groundskeeping clients. One of the clients that I do grounds work for. There you go. There you go. But yeah, so he'd been looking for, he wanted a lighter hardtail mountain bike than what he had. I think he had a Jameis, maybe. I don't know. It was steel. It was heavy. And I moved the vertex around in the on the porch in the garage, just rolled it out, out of the way for the 50th time since it came off the trainer earlier back in the spring. And I was like, shit, I need to put a flat bar back on this and sell it to Lynn because he wants a lightweight mountain bike and this wouldn't be that expensive. It's a 2019, you know, it's a discontinued frame. They're not, not worth a shit ton of money or anything. It's not like, you know, a 2023 specialized carbon hardtail or something that would cost, I don't know, what do they sell those for now? What? Like an epic hardtail. I don't know that they sell them anymore. They have the Epic SL or whatever now. Who needs a hardtail? Hardtails suck. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, if you're really racing in the world of modern full suspension bikes, it's really hard. I would love to see a compelling argument where someone tells me that the hardtail is faster outside of those that are on the bleeding edge of racing like Leadville 100 or some of these other s- sort of mountain bike races. Yeah, so yeah, I put a flat bar on it. And I sold it to him. And I was actually kind of considering getting an Epic Evo to replace it. And unlike Matt, I was like, I don't care if the S-Works, like, because his complete bike and the S-Works frame set are pretty close in price. Are pretty close in price. And I was like, fuck it. I don't want all those extra parts. I just want an S-Works frame set. And then I realized that I ride once a week. And I really like the Mayhem. And I think that instead of spending S-Works frame set money on a new frame, I will probably just get a set of bird wheels and put them on the Mayhem and just have a really lightweight set. I'll get the uh, 30 millimeter ones that you have. The Hawk 30s. Yeah, maybe with black spokes. You're an adult? Yeah. I mean, unless the whites, you know, they have a set of wheels laying around that's cheaper with white spokes. (laughs) I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. Like you lucked out and got the demo set. I didn't really luck out. I just, I was like, hey, you know, there's the joke about when you foster a dog and then you keep it. It's a foster fail. It was like a review fail. A demo fail. These wheels are too good to send back. I I just need to send send me that invoice. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I want to get a set of those for the Mayhem. I mean, they're... Super fucking light, even though they're 30 mil internal trail rated, you know, they're not even the lightest wheels that Bird sells. They're still as light as the lightest set of wheels I've ever owned, which yeah, was I mean, the the ones that I just sold with the Vertex, the old uh, Reynolds black label, whatever they were wheels. And they were like 23 internal. Yeah. Yeah. They were not, um, they were not wide. 
for what it's worth, I'm really torn between selling my Envies and getting another set of Bird Hawk 30s or a set of their new, or not new, sorry, a set of their Hawk 25s, which are essentially a direct competitor to the M525, so they're 25 internal, and they're 1,200 grams. <laughs> I really... How much do your Envies weigh? 14, which is the same as the Hawk 30s. Yeah, yeah. So just a 1,400 and change wheel set is... That's that's awesome. So if you can get that in something that you can rally down most trails, I mean, any trails that I'm going to ride, then yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. So that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. Just got to talk to bird and see what that would cost. All right. Do we want to do any questions or talk about new stuff or are we just going to call it? No, let's talk a little bit about. Can we make fun of that, uh, that bike first, the stole? The Stoll Stage Race bike. Yeah. You know, they're this company makes custom frames, basically, like, whatever. It's a bike for... I mean, they're bragging about building a 21.78-pound hardtail, or full-suspension bike, without pedals. So it's a 23-pound bike. Yeah. And my Epic Evo would weigh that if I removed the pedals, put on that puny little dropper, and put on... Those, what are those? I know we've. I don't care what wheels. the wheels are. I'm talking about the. The wheels don't look light, actually. Well, no, the wheels aren't what gets me. It's the tires. Oh yeah. If I changed, those if I removed my pedals, paper mache tires. Put on a puny weight dropper and put on these tires. My bike would be really close to what this weighs. I mean, what tire is that? It's it's a Schwalbe, and it says speed on it. Wolfpack. Maybe think it's that's not a even Schwalbe. a Schwalbe. It looks the, like a Schwalbe. It. It makes a it's a Thunderbird. Yeah, pretty much. And then they have a five point nine kilogram hardtail, which I don't even care. Well, it doesn't have a real saddle on it either. Oh, oh does the other one have a real saddle on it or I not? I think it does. Or was it's it a, a it's a stage race bike, so you gotta have a real saddle. Oh, it has a real saddle. Okay. But I understand the allure of building these bikes to hit a certain weight number, but you can make a lot of bikes a lot lighter if you just put a bunch of shit on there that doesn't actually work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those tires don't look like anything that I would want to ride. No, um, they make Aspens look beefy. This looks like a gravel tire. Yeah. Are we done making fun of this? Yes. Okay. I had to think about it for a minute and make sure. <laughs> look at that rear brake hose routing. Oh, it's got a red. This hardtail has a uh, a red. Oh, on the it. hardtail has Explore on it. It doesn't even count. It is a gravel bike. It's got gravel bike parts <laughs> on it. Close the tab. Close the tab. <laughs> Uh, we want to talk about magnet. Oh no, we're gonna. I don't I want to talk about this thing. I don't know if I have the brain power to understand this, but please try to describe it. Have to you me. ever? I'm assuming you've listened to the number of podcasts you listen to. I figured you knew what a tuned mass damper is. Absolutely not. Okay, basically, it's a heavy weight on some springs. I already don't like it. It's heavy. It's a weight on some springs, and when the object around the weight or what it's attached to vibrates, the weight on the spring moves in the opposite direction and removes some of the energy from that vibration. So it's an inertia valve. So it's a brain damper. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, so they're used in skyscrapers. Um, they're used in... Uh, Formula it, One. Yeah, it was. it's funny that in this article, uh, they said that the one on a Renault, I think. the very a Renault? Renault, Renault. I don't know. I don't know. Remember, we just, how would you pronounce that in Southern? Well, what's a model name? I need a model name for one of those cars. But in that. A Renault? In that vehicle that was banned by F1 because it was, in 2006, the FIA issued a technical bulletin declaring the mass damper illegal on the grounds that it was a movable aerodynamic device. So uh, this is made by the person that owns the company Rimpact, which I think they make uh, tire liners, not tire liners, the Cush Core type. Insert. In inserts. My brain isn't working. Yeah, so they make tire inserts, but uh, he... Rimpact sounds like the type of nightclub that Stefan on SNL. <laughs> this club has everything. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's got mass inertia dampers. It's got F1 tech. They use it in skyscrapers. It's got everything. Yes, 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 yes. 
yeah, so eventually he made this thing that goes into a steer tube, uh, just in his own home shop. And those are straight up some springs out of a shotgun magazine. Yeah, they do. They are definitely shotgun magazine springs. You're right. But yeah, he just made a thing that drops into a, or attaches inside of a steer tube. And apparently it has made with anecdotal and some blind testing, it has made people ride faster because it's reducing the vibration to the handlebars. I think it's cool. I mean, it's going to add weight to the front of your bike, but if you're... I want to run it if in it's a really that, <laughs> Oh, boy. I just so want to cut Matt, out a bunch of parts Matt that would actually Chern, work. Matt Churn, please send Matt a Lau fork with one of these in it, and do he will not, ride it. Do not send me a Lau fork. If you send me a Lau fork, I'm going to rent a wood chipper and toss it through there. <laughs> I do not consent to any Lauf products on this property. <laughs> yeah, so he he's had, um, basically, people do blind testing where they have something installed into their steer tube and they don't know which one it is and they go faster when they have this in their bike. So I think it's cool. I, I, would, uh, I would smash that. All right, next tab. <laughs> The bacon bullet. (laughs) Cool name. Fucked up idea. (laughs) The only way this could get worse is if it was a bacon or a bullet actually made out of bacon and you got drunk and shot it into your friend's mouth. I don't even know what that means. Like, so this you know is, what the there's a is, hold no, on, no, let me no, no. Let listeners. me describe the bacon bullet that I'm uh, hypothesizing here. You go to that place called Lambert's in Missouri, and they throw the rolls at you. Right. This would be a restaurant. You're like, waiter, another bacon bullet. You'd open your mouth, and they would just sniper shoot a couple of bacon bullets into your mouth. Or you're like, bacon on that my mashed taters. That would probably be a better idea than this. Bacon on my mashed taters, and they're like, do do do. Because if you can imagine a device that would shove. A strip, you know, the bacon strips, a tubeless repair strip. Uh, it's They're the same things you would use in a car. It's kind of the reddish, orange, brown strip that you jam like into a hole. The forbidden, uh, they're not Laffy Taffy, the forbidden Twizzler. Yeah, the forbidden Twizzler. You jam it into the hole in your tire. The tool that you're using to jam into the hole has to be sharp because it has to get into a little hole in your tire and deliver the bacon. Yeah, just the tip has to be, you know, slightly pointy so it can go in dry. And it can be a little bit difficult to get the bacon strip out of the tool without pulling the strip out of the tire. Not if you modify your genuine innovations tool. Hold on. We're going to talk about this first and then you tell people to fix so imagine if the tip of that tool that was holding the bacon, that you just shoved the whole fucking sharp thing into your tire with the bacon and left it there. As if you wouldn't have any sort of impact that would squish the sharp thing between your tire and your rim. Hopefully your rim tape. Hopefully it goes into a hole and doesn't just jam into your fucking rim. Because you literally have a piece of sharp metal that just hangs out in the airspace inside of your tire. Yeah, this is designed to not be removed. It, it's sort of like a... If you could imagine a Stan's dart and a normal tire plug had a baby, but that baby <laughs> was dart. conceived... They still sell that tool. The baby was conceived after drinking a lot of original Formula 4 Loco. That's <laughs> what this is. When I saw the picture of it, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's kind of a beefier way to put a bacon strip in. And then I noticed in the demonstration photos that the fucking sharp-ass piece of metal... And in this photo, it's literally pointed towards the rim. It's not like it kind of flips around sideways. No, it's like a field point from an arrow. It looks like the field point from an arrow. And it's just inside of your fucking rim. We should just collect broken arrows from the archery range and make our own. Just drill a hole in the field point. I gotta go raid that trash can right now. You can finish the show without me. (laughs) Oh, I'm not even going to Anything. Uh, I do want to... Let me tell you how to make your genuine innovations tool work way better. Okay, yeah. So the, the cheapest tool that you can get for plugging a bicycle tire. Let me tell you what you do. First, you go for a mountain bike ride. 
and then you secure your bicycles in your vehicle. You go, you have a nice lunch, you drink a couple of beers at lunch, then you wander into the local bike shop, a little bit buzzed, feeling good from a ride and a hamburger, a couple of them Coors cold, you know, Coors in the khaki cans, you know, and you wander over and you buy the Genuine Innovations Bacon Kit. It's the most basic shit you've ever seen. And then what you do is on that same little kiosk of bullshit tire repair that the bike shop sells, and I don't mean bullshit like what they're selling is bullshit, but all that shit lives together, you get one of those little green patch kits. The important part about the patch kit is it has a case. And then what you do is you come home, and in that case, you put all of your bacon stuff. You put the little strips in there. You get everything loaded up. But before you put the tool away, you grab a number. I think it's a, no, it would be a number two Phillips. I think it's like a, a size two. I don't know if it's a number two flathead. But you maybe need a one, maybe a two. You and put, not if you're Kenny and you don't own flathead screwdrivers. You you put that in the little tool, and you you just there's two little forks that the bacon plug gets sort of you know, wedged between and that's how you cram it in the tire and you just open that up another half millimeter and it'll pull right out no problem when you're ready to remove the tool from the plug no problem my sample size of this is i have stretched the tool that you put plugs in car tires before i've plugged numerous car tires i've plugged car tires on the side of i-40 in the middle of fucking nowhere I've plugged car tires in a parking lot and then realized that I was dumb and I plugged a tire and I should have done it at the gas station and then stood there. This is before I worked at a bike shop. I pumped up a 31-inch all-terrain tire with the world's worst bike pump for my days of BMX in my college parking lot (laughs) one day. You can plug tires with just the bacon strip. Stop spending all this money on all this other stupid shit. Go ride your bike. If you put one bacon strip in the hole and it doesn't seal up, put a fucking put tube. another one in there. Put a tube in it. Go on with your life. But Just keep adding bacon strips until it stops leaking. It's fine. My point being, in the car world, there are fancy things that solve these problems, but they're patches. They make pull-through patches. They make all this fancy stuff. But that is an at-home repair. Plugs are for dirty rednecks like me that just need to keep riding that shit tire that got a screw through it. And that's what you're trying to do on your mountain bike. I don't give a shit how much you think your mountain bike tires cost. They are consumable products that should be changed on a performance need. Where I'm going is consumable products will perish. If you cannot afford to replace a tire pretty much on demand, just sell your bike, start riding a rigid single speed. (laughs) He'd flat more tires that way. But your broke ass would have money to buy tires. So (laughs) getting off my high horse, what's next? Close the tab. I know you already closed it. It's just just been a running bit. Just play along with me. All right. It's closed. This thing looks kind of cool. It's the Oru case. Is that how you pronounce it? Matt, do you know? I thought it was or you case. It's definitely or you. Or, who cares? It's O R U case. Okay. Oru case. <laughs> uh, it's a magnetic top tube bag. Uh, not that it, it either. It comes with uh, mounts that will mount it to either a some frame bosses or it comes with straps as well. So you can strap it to your top tube and has a little paracord cinch that goes around your steer tube. I do want to note that the person who wrote this article has far too many spacers under their steer tube, and it just makes me sad that it's 2023 and people still can't read the fucking instructions about how many... What fork is it? It's a a Rodeo Labs spork. Hmm. There's no carbon fork on this earth that says use more than... 40 millimeters of space between the top of the frame, not the top of the headset cap, the top of the frame and the bottom of the stem. But it's got a suspension There's not a fucking fork on earth unless it's made out of steel. There's not a fucking fork on this earth that says use more than 40. Most of them say 35. But I'll even give you that extra five millimeters because 
a few of them say 40. So anyway, it is, it looks like a cool little bag. Instead of having a zipper, it's got a magnetic closure so you can just jam your hand in there and grab your shit. Uh, though the person that, I, I have more of a rant about the person who wrote this article than the actual product itself. Revelate has had a magnetic top tube bag. It's not this where it's a slit. It's a flap, but it's magnetic and it's easily one hand operatable. Um, they've had that for a long fucking time. And this person's like, oh, this is revolutionary. You can use this with one hand. I've been using my Oveja Negra bags with one hand because I use zipper lube because I don't go in dry. Yeah. Yeah, there's zipper lube too. But yeah, so it, it looks cool. Um, I like magnetic stuff like that. You know, I've, I've been frustrated with zippers before, but it's usually because there's dirt and gel and sweat mixed around inside of my, my zipper on my top tube. Also, something that's very important to understand is when you're pulling your zipper, be very mindful and I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It's on the tip of my tongue. Be mindful and deliberate that you are pulling the zipper pull in the direction the zipper needs to travel. With the top two bag, it's very easy that you're trying to, you need to move the stipper, the zipper pull from the stem towards the seat post, but you're actually pulling it from the stem towards your sternum. You're not moving it backwards, you're moving it up and backwards. I don't think I've ever had a problem opening mine. It's just sometimes when you go to close them, especially if your frame is a skinnier frame and the bag isn't quite as like stretched out tight on top of the top tube, it it's harder to close them. Sometimes you need a hand to kind of hold the bag just below the zipper in order to pull the zipper up. Uh, I'm kind of tired of all the others. There's a couple other stuff, but we can talk about this. The Suntour uh, electronic suspension. We can talk about that with Kenny. Okay. We'll talk about that next week, too. No, we won't. <laughs> we got a couple listener questions. <laughs> Fuck, we do. <laughs> How long have we been recording? I got chocolate. <laughs> no, let's go for it. Chocolate mouth. Here we go. So, speaking of sweat, this is from Matt. He says, I'm a gross, sweaty human and have an issue with sweat dripping into my eyes and into the lenses of my riding glasses. Any helmets or products you have used that help? Matt, you just have to move someplace dry. Also. It can be hot as fuck, but go someplace where there's less humidity. Because I am also a gross, sweaty human. Can confirm. And when I lived in Memphis, where there is humidity, and when I rode in Arkansas, any place that I have ridden that is not you know, the mountain west, I have just sweat pouring out of my helmet. And I've used that headband with a little rubber strip in it. The sweat gutter. No, the sweat gutter has like a, I don't know, it's like a multi-ribbed strip. This was just a band with The one. head sweats. Maybe it was. Head sweats had a little, it was, it was like a strip of do-rag with a little rubber sticky yeah. thing that made your forehead look stupid and still get sweat in your eyes. Uh, that kind of worked. And if I wore it, especially if I wore it upside down. So I'd wear it upside down with that little rubber protector thing as close to my eyebrows as possible, basically. That sort of worked. But yeah, it's it's just how it is. If you are if you sweat a lot, you just got to live someplace where your sweat actually evaporates. Because I've had very few problems with sweat dripping. You know, I used to have the same problems as you. And I moved, I've had zero problems unless it's just extraordinarily hot and I'm like hike-a-biking and there's just no airflow. Anything to add? Matt's just shoveling chocolate in his mouth. Let me have some of that. Oakley makes a helmet called the Dirt 3 DRT3, also missing vowels. So hot right now. The little front like forehead foam pad, you can replace that with a little silicone type I don't know if it's actually silicone, but a rubber sweat guard. So, uh, sounds like you want to buy shit. Buy that. If it doesn't work, move. Have you tried it with that? No. Because hmm. when I go to do rides that are that sweaty, I wear my lighter road helmet. Um, are there more questions? Yeah, we had a question from Frank, and I literally cannot find it. I cannot find where he asked this question. I looked in patron slack. It's not in the patron questions. I don't know if it was in... A different channel. Mm -mm. You're telepathic. You're psychic. You got a question from the future that he will send in and we'll answer next week. 
I think what happened is it's somewhere else in our Slack channel. Nope. That's not in the patron questions. Lean into it. You're a spooky bitch. I am a spooky bitch, but I'm pretty sure I read this and it wasn't just a dream of Frank. (laughs) Basket of lasagna. (laughs) Last night, I woke up with this terrible nerve pain in my arm and I'm trying to find a comfortable position. And I eventually get up and take some ibuprofen and I lay back down and Matt starts talking in his sleep. Yeah, from the other room she just hears. He said something about use the good basket for the lasagna or I don't know, but something about a basket of lasagna in his sleep. (laughs) It was very specific. (laughs) And based on the way I'm eating chocolate today, I could go for a basket of lasagna. So if you know of a good basketed lasagna delivery, let me know. I'd be happy to order a basket of lasagna. Or you could send it to P.O. Box 82 in Howard, Colorado, 81233, and I'm sure I'll get it well after it's expired. <laughs> if you want to send us any mail, you can send it to that address. It's also on our website, jrashow.com. But anyway, Frank had asked some version of the question of what's your dream ride, like your dream trip, dream ride, fantasy ride, a multi-day trip, if that, whatever it is, like what is your, this is like the end all be all for me. Well, shit, you knew the question. Have you been thinking about it? No, because here's the thing. I'm going to open up this chocolate a little bit more. My God, Get this me. chocolate doesn't stand a chance. It doesn't. Because here's the thing. Back around, I don't know, the end of 2020-ish, my, the little bit of sciatic nerve pain that I'd been having in my my left leg turned into a lot of pain on long rides I just I can't ride that long so and I can't you know if I went to like the best bike park in the world I couldn't do laps of it because descending make is one of the things that makes it hurt the worst I can't say that there's like a big fantasy ride I want to do because I just physically can't go out and do that I mean if all of a sudden I woke up tomorrow and it was fixed we'll put it that way um I don't know, I'm probably racing Tour Divide, but I don't know, I've kind of, I've really, I've, I've moved, I mean, I like riding bikes, I'm not going to say I got tired of riding bikes, but I've I've moved on to doing a lot of other stuff that's not bikes. I'm just going to cut you off, Alaska moose hunt. <laughs> yeah, either Alaska or Canada moose hunt, that would be, but that's something I plan on doing someday, like at some point in time, I will have the amount of money it takes to pay someone to take me for a moose hunt and get like a giant lunker of a bull moose. But like that'll happen. You know, that's definitely like a fantasy thing. And I'm physically able at least right now to do that. But yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to think about the bike stuff right now because I have been doing so much other stuff and I enjoy the other stuff just as much. Like I've actually, I've told people, Oh, I can't do such and such bike ride. You know, like I had, um, you know, people ask, are you doing vapor trail? It's like, no, I, I can't ride for more than a couple of hours. So and they're like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. It's like, no, it's it's okay. Like I'm, I enjoy the things that I'm doing that aren't bikes. So it's, it's okay. It was a long process to get to. It's okay, but uh, it's okay. What about you? Can I pick three? Sure. It's your show. Our show, comrade. (laughs) I guess just because it feels so far-fetched, but Whistler is just a, I think it it is rightfully so, a destination, gravity-fed mountain bike spot. And I don't think that anything else in the world can compete with that in the sense of, I understand that different riding in different parts of the country are going to feel different, but we have amazing descents. We've talked about this before. Greens Creek, 4,000 foot descent. You don't, you don't see that other places. I live somewhere that people come to vacation and I have to acknowledge that. I admit it all the time. I live somewhere beautiful with rad riding right out my back door. I mean, literally out my back door, I can get to really cool stuff. that's not to discredit the things that you see in other parts of the country that we don't have. We have very short sunsets. We don't have lots of cool lake fishing. We don't have beaches. We don't have uh, 
you know, seafood for argument's sake. There's <laughs> no, no, but really, like, there's other things. Barbecue, there's, soul food. There's things that other parts of the country take for granted because it's their normal. For us, the normal is gnarly mountain biking, big, rugged backcountry stuff, really close to home, beautiful views, all the Jeep and forest roads and logging roads one could explore in a lifetime. We have all that, and I have to be thankful for that. So for me, the first thing that comes to mind is something like Whistler, which, given the cost of having a bike that's appropriate to do that caliber of riding over the number of, you know, even multiple days of, of lift riding, I would need something bigger than my stumpy. That coupled with the cost of getting there, just all that, it seems like something that is probably pretty unlikely that I get to do unless something changes pretty drastically in my current situation. Um, so I don't think I'll get to ride that in my lifetime as my life sits now. So I think that'd be a pretty cool, you know, just here's a blank check, go on a trip. That would be really fun. And I think another another one, which is way more attainable, obtainable, attainable, either way. I mean, I think a trip to Whistler and a trip to Canada to go moose hunting are probably similar costs. Well, <laughs> I don't think one day I'll have the money for that. I just, right. I mean, well, maybe to put it differently, if I stopped buying stupid shit and didn't buy any motorcycles, and yeah, yeah. Other, I mean, but if, you, again, if you want something bad enough, you can make it happen. Like, but that's again, why I say I will moose hunt someday. Like it's. But I'm trying to illustrate, though. I live somewhere so cool. It's hard to make it happen. Well, I would have to sacrifice so many other, let's call them micro cools, to get that one mega cool. Yeah, that's true. And I, I know that I have to go to work every day, but to get really sappy, my life is pretty fucking dope and i do dope shit (laughs) um you know i i i I have a cool couple of dogs and my bikes are all rad and everything the meme things that you should have by the time you're 40 or 30 anxiety a dog a dog with anxiety we've got it covered we've got it covered i've got that covered i've got a dog i've got a dog with anxiety and i've got anxiety Maybe a different thing that seems so much more easy for me to do, but mentally is something that I don't have the fortitude to do at this point, but I think I will one day. Um, I think it'd be really cool to ride from here to, what's that place? Brush Mountain Lodge? Yeah. Uh, Riding from here to Brush Mountain Lodge. Basically riding. Riding the Tour Divide route. Like half of Colorado. Yeah, but yo-yoing it. Like ride up there, spend a night or two, get a good shower, eat some pizza, see some racers, and then ride back to Salida. It's it's only, I can't remember, it's well under 800 miles. I can't remember if it's just about 700 or just over 700 miles round trip, but it's very obtainable. But the uncertainty the planning the fortitude of knowing that no matter what comes at me for however many days in a row i'm gonna have to pedal my bike conditions be damned i'm not there mentally i'm i mean most it is a remote route but there are places where you can get off route and take shelter from you know if it's gonna rain for 24 hours you can hole up in a hotel room i i don't have the mental fortitude to plan and process that I just, I just don't, um, and it's maybe not easy to say, but I, the the joke about anxiety was not a joke. I have a shit ton of it. I've got a mini dump truck load of it. Just <laughs> much like my my shorts are filled with this mini dump truck ass, my brain is filled with a <laughs> mini dump truck of anxiety, and it's just really tough to consider. Well, you got to start small, right? Like you can't just start with a seven hundred mile trip like that you say i'm gonna do no i i understand but it's so hard for me to start taking those steps yeah and also i don't know if it's because i'm so anxious about it or if it's because i truly don't enjoy it but i'm not sure that i i don't know if i don't enjoy that type of riding because it causes me a lot of angst and anxiety or if I just don't enjoy going at loaded bike pace. I haven't decided yet. I haven't given up on it, but I haven't decided yet. Man, that trip, you, was it last year that you were like, I'm going to ride to here and camp? And I'm like, uh, okay. And when Andrea gives you a funny look when you tell her, and she's like, all right, it was the, it was the he going to learn today. And I learned. <laughs> I was 
something ridiculous into that ride. And I realized how much more I had to go. And I was like, I'm just fucked. I'm going to get to <laughs> camp at like 10 o'clock at night. And I did. It took forever. And then I woke up and the water quit running and some of the roads were private. It was just terrible. It, it was all, it was real bad. It was, it was all bad. So. Oh, man. Um, I think we did have something on patron slack. We're done. Are we done? We're done. We're way done. Okay. Yeah, we can we can do this other stuff next week. We'll have a little content saved for Kenny. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to the Matt and Andrea show. And I don't know. Anything else you want to say? We don't have Kenny here to say shut it down, so I feel really lost. I need you to go to an old episode and just plug that in so everyone gets that closure they need. Okay. So here's Kenny saying shut it down. Let's shut it down. Thank you all for listening and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of here.